How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome to another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. I'm Rob DeMello, and joining me, former University of Hawaii player and coach, he's now the color commentator at Spectrum Sports for Rainbow Warrior Football, the one and only Rich Miano. And man, it's that time of the year. We get to work together three times last week. We did Bose Football Final. Mm -hmm. We did Cover 2, Hawaii High School Football Weekly, powered by the LA Rams, 9.30, Thursdays, KHON2. Mm -hmm. And then we had our first Spectrum Sports broadcast of the season at Aloha Stadium. Love this time of year. Feeling like family. I mean, this is the <laughs> best time of year. And you talked about it, I mean, between high school football, UH, and just the winning is just uh, contagious. And it just seems like the whole town is excited by football, and it's back. Yes, and we are back. The unwanted Hanai son <laughs> that you never asked for, but you got. But let's talk about this University of Hawaii football team. 31-28 victory over Oregon State on Saturday at Aloha Stadium. Huge win. It puts the Bows at 2-0 on the season with two wins over Pac-12 opponents. That's the first time that's happened in this program's history since 1994 when they beat Oregon and Cal. You look at Hawaii being one of only three teams in the country with two wins over Power 5 opponents. Before we delve deep into this game and what happened, the significance of that victory to start 2-0 to be leading the Pac-12 West Division <laughs> at 2-0 in the season. How significant is that for this program? Very significant. When you think about recruiting, you know, Hawaii's battling the teams that are on the Pac-12, especially the lower part of those divisions. They also, from a revenue standpoint, is huge in terms of facilities. But I think the most important thing is confidence. This team right now felt good about themselves during training camp. They had a great offseason. But after two wins against Pac-12 teams, the thing that it does is they're going to go up to Seattle this week and they're not going to be intimidated. They feel like they can play on a very high level and they're proving that each and every week. So I think very significant to start 2-0. This is uh, more than I think most fans could have ever predicted. Now I want to talk about the defense and what they did in this game. But before we do that, because it is Monday, because the Mountain West Conference individual awards went out this morning, and for the second consecutive week, the University of Hawaii tapped the Offensive Player of the Week. Last week, it was the Week Zero performance by Cedric Bird, 14 catches, 228 yards, and four touchdowns. This week, it is JoJo Ward, 10 catches, 189 yards, and four touchdowns. JoJo, being named Mountain West Conference Offensive Player of the Week, and for this offense, and you go back to recruiting, when you're, when you're talking to wide receivers around the country and you're saying, come on down to the run and shoot, how big is it that they can point to that and say, Hawaii played two Pac-12 teams, walked mm -hmm. away with individual honors, the nation knows who you are if you come and play for the Bows. Yeah, and I don't know when the last time Hawaii's had two consecutive weeks with head offensive player of the conference, but that's a phenomenal thing because what it does is if you decide to scheme Cedric Bird after the Arizona mm -hmm. game, you double coverage him, which means you lighten the box. It also means that JoJo Ward is going to be single coverage. The fact that those guys are on the same side of the field, you can't double both of those. So I think it scares future opponents. It sends a resounding message to the rest of the conference and the rest of the schedule that, wow, Hawaii doesn't just have Cedric Bird. They've got this guy named Jojo Ward, and it's not long before they figure out Mark 
Melquis uh, Stovall and just the other receivers. And I'm telling you, this is exciting to watch happen. And I think that JoJo was for real because when you press him, Rob, he runs by you. And I've seen him outside release. I've seen him inside release. He's really good at getting off the press. Whether you play off of him, then all of a sudden when Cole comes to the line of scrimmage, he knows that he has that hitch throw. He knows he has that smoke throw. And then you got to tackle him in the open field. To have two receivers that are this explosive, it's been a long time, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, and JoJo on the go-go. Obviously, we saw last season how good this guy can be. You saw it against Oregon State. And then you look at the quarterback throwing him the ball. Cole McDonald, who bounces back from being benched in week zero mm -hmm. after throwing four interceptions. He did throw four touchdowns yes. against Arizona in that win, but was ultimately replaced by Shevin Cordero, who comes in off the bench, builds a 10-point lead. Hawaii's able to get their first Pac-12 win of the year against Arizona. But now Cole McDonald comes into this one motivated, obviously. He talked about it all week long at practice, saying that he wants this opportunity to show up for Hawaii, mm -hmm. to prove to Hawaii. He had a lot to prove in this game, and he goes 30 of 52, 421 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception, showed some gumption, showed some motivation as far as picking up some first downs mm -hmm. with his legs. Um, your thoughts on how Cole performed in that game, not just based mm -hmm. on the numbers, but based on being the on-field general for that offense. Well, I think he is that general. And you mentioned late in the game when they had to run the football, Dayton Faruta's hurt. They went quarterback power. They mm -hmm. went quarterback counter. They went quarterback Tampa. They kept the ball in his hands because he's big, he's strong, he's physical. And that first interception that he threw, he got hit. So he was off platform. The ball floated on him a little bit. But I thought made good decisions, made great throws. He's a great leader. And I think we have to continue to educate the fans. When you throw the ball over 50 times, there may be an interception. There may be a mm -hmm. deflected ball. There may be a poor decision that's made. Nobody is perfect and everybody makes mistakes. But this guy is, again, an extension of the 2018 season where he is not only a leader, he's phenomenally talented and we're blessed to have him and obviously we're blessed to have Chevron as well. It's a great problem to have, but I think Nick Rolovich handled it. All right, our resident offensive lineman and our crew, RJ Hollis, not here today, but if he was here, he would remind us very quickly that nothing happens in the run and shoot without the offensive line holding up the way they have in these first two games. Only one real sack given up against Arizona. I believe the same goes for the Oregon State game. How impressed have you been with this line? And especially when you look at the fact that they're without their number one pro prospect in Cole Vau, who's been out with injury, and instead Taonga Tuulima playing in that center role like he did in the first six games of last season. Yes. Uh, how impressed are you with this line? Very impressive. The center has improved, but when they get Cole back, they'll be that much better on the inside zone play. Also, you know, just solidifies uh, the middle and any and, and pass stunts as well. So I think RJ will agree that they've played phenomenally well. And they're still very young and they're still learning to mesh and play together but it's been very impressive and it's given Cole the ability to not only throw the ball down the field but to be able to understand that he's his backside is protected and to only be sacked once in two games it's been very impressive I think Mark Banker does a excuse me uh, Mark Weber does a phenomenal job at that offensive line I love his coaching style and these kids are reacting to a positive coach who believes in them Freudian slip, Mark Banker has done yes. a phenomenal job yes. with that linebacking core, one that has been depleted without 
Panay Pavihi without Jeremiah Pritchard. Yes. You got Paul Scott and Solomon Matautia and Kanai Picanso running in there, making big plays. A freshman in Darius Muasau out of yes. Mililani who made some plays in that game. Let's talk about this defense. A defense that gave up 177 yards rushing in the first half. Gave up 28 points. This team was trailing 28-21 at the break and then pitches a shutout the rest of the way. Yes, JoJo Ward, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The run and shoot, awesome. But without a doubt, this defense is the unit that won this football game. Yeah, and they look porous in the first quarter. And sometimes that is just Corey Batoon's comfortability with saying, okay, we can cover these guys on the outside. It's, it's those guys, Roe Ferris and Cortez Davis coming back to the sideline and say, don't worry, coach, we got this stuff. You can load the box because we have to stop this run. They were very physical, Oregon State, in the first quarter. But even look at the second quarter statistics. Hawaii did a much better job defensively. Then at halftime, they got a chance to go into that locker room. Corey Batoon, Abraham Elamimia, Jake Euro, Rip, Ricky Longo, all those coaches did a phenomenal job because not only did they stop the run, the corners on the outside, the nickelbacks, you talk about guys like Eugene Ford, you mm -hmm. talk about guys like Kai Kaneshiro, those guys did a phenomenal job because they were locked up man-to-man -man in some cases with Pac-12 receivers that had size, that had speed, and I just thought the adjustments made at halftime, I thought that the in-game adjustments in the second quarter to shut that run down, I thought were phenomenal. And, and really, each and every one of those coaches, each and every one of those players, and you can go amongst the defensive line, I really enjoyed Blessman Ta'ala. When you watch technically, you saw lockout, you see shoulders square, you see him getting off blocks, and you saw the linebackers attacking downhill. Some of that was instinct, and some of that was run blitz. It called it the right opportunity because they had faith in the outside corners and the nickelbacks to do their job. And I thought the second played its best game in a long time. I thought faith was a word that definitely stems out of this game and the faith that Nick Rolovich had in Ryan Meskel. Yes. The kicker who last season, keep in mind, was named the most improved player on this football team at the Rainbow Warrior Awards Banquet. This is a guy that you could argue is the most liked person mm. on this team. Everybody's friend on this unit. Uh, and he misses three field goals in that game. He's thrown out there a fourth time to hit the go-ahead field goal, and he does. Keep in mind that he was asked to hit a 48- and 47-yard field goal. Right. At the college game, that is no guarantee, no. especially for a guy that was a soccer player just two and a half years ago just learned the American game of football uh, to be a kicker uh, at the University of Hawaii. How impressed were you with Juan Rolo staying with Mesco and giving him that opportunity instead of going for it perhaps on fourth down and trying to build that lead? And at the same time, how impressed are you with Ryan Mesco to be able to maintain all of that and be able to hit that game winner, a go-ahead kick? Nick Rolovich's decision to stay with his kicker, who played so well last year mm -hmm. and is their guy, I think was very important because you don't want him to lose confidence, right? And I think another thing is when you watched him trot out for that fourth field goal after missing three, and, you know, obviously the crowd, there's anxiety. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a crucial time in that game. You saw a whole bunch of the Rainbow Warrior players go up to him and I got your back. You know, you can do this. We believe in you. And that, to me, this character that they're building, this belief in one another that they're building, the coaches being confident in their players to make the play when they have to, I think is a huge part of this. I think Ryan Muscale is a good kicker. You mentioned we have to continue to educate the fans that 48 and 47 yards is a long field goal, even in, by NFL standards. And the hashes are wider. It's tough to kick field goals, and especially in pressure situations. But I believe in Ryan Meskel, and the most important thing is Nick Rolovich does it. I think even more important than that is the players believe in him. And Ryan believes in himself, that's yes. for sure. Uh, moving ahead now.
right? Everyone's excited about this win, Hawaii 2-0, but you hit the road for the first time this season, and not only do you hit the road, you play a Pac-12 team once again in facing nationally ranked Washington, ranked 23rd coming off of a loss to California. What are your thoughts? What are your initial thoughts on Hawaii traveling to Seattle and facing this Husky team? Well, I mean, they've started off, I think, a 22-point dog. But mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, I've been getting texts, I've been getting calls, I've been getting emails from coaches throughout the mainland that realize that this offense is very tough to stop. It's very explosive. There's not a lot of sleep going on with defensive coordinators and, and secondary coaches with these receivers in this schematic run-and-shoot offense that is is, is hitting on all cylinders basically and don't get me wrong they could play better they struggled a little bit on third down but they converted all their fourth downs and then when you combine the fact that they've won these first two games and this team believes in one another and you see this defense not necessarily having great players but having players that a schematically sound that believe in this coaching staff that will be gap cancellation that will be in the proper coverages they didn't blow any coverages this week they played together they played hard they hustled to the ball and I think this team believes that they can go up there and pull off this victory and if they do Rob we're talking a whole new narrative nationally oh absolutely and, and keep in mind we will be the first to tell you that this is exciting 2-0 for fans. I mean, you should be excited about this UH football team, yes. but not a perfect product. So yeah. I then ask you, what needs to be cleaned up by this University of Hawaii football team to give them any chance at pulling off a huge upset? They're going to have to get more physical in the run game, as well as that offensive line that's played in the past game and it has played well, and we mentioned that. They're going to have to run the ball, which will set up their RPO package. Mm -hmm. If you don't run the ball and you're going to throw the ball 60, 70 times, it puts so much pressure on the quarterback as well as the wide receivers. But I think this team can win uh, by, again, taking the ball away on defense. I think that they need to make these adjustments prior to the game in terms of being more physical against the run. And I think Corey Batoon and Abraham Elamim are going to put a lot of pressure on those cornerbacks. But when you do that, Rob, you can load the box. If they can stop the opponent from running the ball, a lot of good things are going to happen for this defense. And I'll tell you another thing we haven't even mentioned yet, special teams. Mm -hmm. The explosiveness of Melky Stovall in the punt return game, in the yeah. kickoff return game. And to me, you watch the coverages, you know, punt coverage, kickoff coverage, special teams, besides those field goals, are batting, uh, you know, a very high percentage and very impressive. Well, we'll see what happens this Saturday, 1.30 Hawaii time on the Pac-12 Network as the University of Hawaii travels up to Seattle to face Washington. Before we go, let's take a look at the BFF mailbox. And I had people send in questions. You can do it on Instagram. You can find me at Rob DeMello on Twitter, at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N, and at Facebook, at Rob DeMello. And uh, send in any questions whenever a UH football game is over, just any time before Monday, send it in, and we'll try to get them on the air here and ask uh, Coach Rich his thoughts on it. So the first question that was sent in is, how much credit needs to go to Corey Batoon on the second-half adjustments to win that football game? Defensive coordinator Corey Batoon, does he deserve a game ball for the second straight week? He really does, and I mentioned that in the post-game show on Spectrum, the fact that they made these adjustments in-game. After the first quarter, they were so much better against the run. They were better against the pass. They just played better. When you talk about the second-half adjustments, when a team like Oregon State Pac-12 does not move into the red zone all for two quarters, when you shut them out for two quarters, when, you, when they go one for nine on third down, that's, of course, Corey Batoon and his staff 
getting together at, ha at halftime and having these players believe in the changes that they made. And they made changes, Rob. I looked and sometimes they were in a three high. Sometimes they were playing man coverage. Sometimes they went four across zero. They had odd fronts. They had even fronts. They had pressure. They had man dogs. I mean, they're doing a lot of things defensively. And in order for these players to do all this, they have to believe in the coaches and they have to be taught. And these, I watch practice every day. I'm impressed by Jacob Euro. I'm impressed by these coaches. And I think the players believe in the scheme and they do their 1-11th. And I'm very impressed. Corey Batoon, another game ball. Question number two, Melky Stovall, you brought him up as far as special teams goes. We saw him for the first time really a part of this offense and he was very productive in that. But the question is, Jared Smart, how important is he to this offense? Does JoJo Ward, Cedric Bird have those type of games if not for Jared Smart? What are your thoughts on number 23? I think the opposing coaches are going to see that 23 is physical. He went over the middle and caught the ball. I think they're going to see that he'll high point the ball. His toughness, I talked to Coach Rolovich about this, is he's tough. And the last name Smart is indicative of the fact that he's learned this offense and he knows the intricacies, the nuances of this offense. He's a heck of an addition. And when Stovall continues to get reps in this division, this uh, offense, and he's those four guys, we're going to start talking about Salas, Pollard, Kealoha, Polaris, and that group. We're going to go back to the group with Ryan Grice Mullins, Devon Best, whatever else. This could be four receivers that nobody's going to want to play against. They were called the dreadheads, right? Because they all had dreadlocks. <laughs> Hawthorne, Rivers, Best, Bryce Mullins. None of these guys have dreadlocks, so I guess they'd be the crazy bald heads <laughs> if we're going to stick with the Bob Marley references. But absolutely, I mean, this receiving core has been awesome. And, and Jared Smart, there's a couple of plays there where really it was an up for grabs ball where yes. both he and the Oregon State defender had their mitts on that ball and he yanked it into possession that is huge one last thing too is this is some situations on fourth down and who's getting the ball smart yeah. so the confidence in him running that quick slant getting inside leverage on defensive backs and making the catch that's impressive for him to only have been here this semester yeah and the last question here if the University of Hawaii, and this was uh, yeah. sent in by our boy Sam Spangler, by the way, so thanks a lot, Sammy. <laughs> if the University of Hawaii pulls off the epic upset in Seattle and beats the Washington Huskies nationally ranked to improve the 3-0 against Pac-12 opponents, would that be the greatest start in University of Hawaii history? And, and, I, and I'm going to limit it to, say, let's say 25 years, the last okay. 25, 30 years, because... You know, there's some 1925 yeah. where they yes, went undefeated. Course, and, course. And, and at the time, you think about teams voting here for two weeks. I mean, <laughs> if you win those games, that's awesome. Uh, but would you say this is the best start in the modern era of University of Hawaii football? I wish you would have said 20 years because in 1998, that was a very impressive start. 98. 98 was not impressive. 98, they went 98, 2008. Okay, so, yeah, in the last 25 years, I think for sure a win in Seattle against UW goes all the way back to 1988, at least for the greatest start in Hawaii history. I think it's, it's, it's a possibility. It would be a huge win. But I think now the narrative nationally is Hawaii is a ranked team that for sure can compete at the Pac-12 level. And that's, this is going to be a huge uh, opportunity for them to change the narrative nationally. I think people are starting to get on that bandwagon, Rob. And I'm hoping the fans here get on that bandwagon. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a referendum of a 35,000-seat stadium. In 2006, it took nine games, Oregon State, to fill that stadium. I have a feeling seven, eight games into this season, with the success of this football program, we're going to be past 35,000. Going back to 1988, like you talked about, the University of Hawaii opened that season, beating ninth-ranked Iowa, a team that was 
ranked number one at one point in 1987. Um, they beat them to open the year. Then they won on the road San Jose State and Colorado State. That's so that's a huge start. You look at 1994, Hawaii won at Oregon and at Cal, two Pac-12 teams. Mm. And at the time, neither of those teams are ranked, but Oregon ended up winning the Pac-10 that year, going to the Rose Bowl. So I think if it's one of those things where you take a step back and look at how that season played out, it's hard to argue that you won at the Pac-10 championship team that ended up playing in the Rose Bowl. But this would definitely be mm. up there. And would it be enough to get the University of Hawaii ranked, you think? To start 3-0, mm -hmm. three Power 5 opponents, one of them would be ranked in Washington. Do you think that with a win, and we're getting ahead of ourselves here as 22-point underdogs, but would that be enough? Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the 88 team because I want to make sure my former defensive back coach, Bob Wagner, <laughs> you know, we, we give a shout-out to that because that was a phenomenal start to the season. But, yeah, I, if they win in Seattle, 3-0, and three Pac-12 teams, You've got to be somewhere in that 20 to 25 category. Maybe some voters will, you know, allow you to be in that 18, 19 category. But uh, I'll stop you right there. That's not happening. They, they, you don't think? No, they're not going to get up to 18 after. I mean, you're lucky if they're 25th. I mean, just based on it's the University of Hawaii, and and, and you can do that backtracking thing where it's like, well, it's Arizona. Yeah, they gave true. up X amount to right. Northern Arizona. It's Oregon State. They haven't won yet this right. season. Washington no, right. just lost a cow. They're yeah, the find fact that Washington lost a cow and dropped down in the yeah. rankings, I agree with that. But breaking in the top 25 they would should. be huge. I would say they should. Yeah. But I don't have a whole lot of faith. Well, the thing is, is I agree with you, and I agree with that voters won't uh, have that much faith in this university wide team. But I'm going to tell you something, and uh, it's starting to look a little like 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. It's starting to look uh, like this team could be that surprise team of the nation, mm -hmm. and they're going to have to do it on a weekly basis. And there's a lot of work to be done. But you got to feel good about the start to this season. And even if they're competitive against Washington in Seattle, I still think they have a great chance for a Mountain West championship and obviously another bowl game. Awesome stuff. Well, Bose Football Final, Episode 2 in the books. We want to thank you for joining us at KHON2.com every Monday afternoon. Swing on down. You can watch the latest episode. Uh, of course, we'll be back at KHON2 on Thursday night, 9.30 for Cover 2, powered by the LA Rams. And then our next Spectrum broadcast will be Central Arkansas in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But remember, this Saturday's game on free TV nationally on the Pac-12 Network against the Washington Huskies, 1.30 Hawaii time. Tune in. Watch this team. They're a lot yes. of fun to watch. It's Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com. For my man, Rich Miano, I'm Rob DeMello. We'll catch you next week. Aloha.